Let me grow goo this intro here at the Vigilante 1939 Podcast, a father-son best friend dynamic. We talk about all things DC, Marvel, Star Wars, and more. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing Sony finding her Madam Web, episode 6 of the book of Boba Fett and Peacemaker, and we're going to be revisiting Tim Burton's vision for Batman. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Zenning, and joining me each and every week are Nico and his father, Nick Caruso Jr. Hello, gentlemen. I just want everybody to know that I'm not, I'm here, but I, I look about 30 years younger right now. <laughs> I've had the same people uh, do some work on me, and this is not my voice. It's being run through a computer, and they've used, <laughs> they're using parts of my dialogue from previous podcasts. So let's see how this whole thing goes today, okay? I love it. I, love it. I have a little more hair. See me? Is that it or no? I, I look a little younger. Today, huh? We're going back to 1989. Mr. I got the little feathery, the little feather part down the middle, and uh, it's going to be fun. going to be a Mr. fun Mr. C's got a mullet right now. <laughs> a digital mullet. A digital mullet. <laughs> also, we're I don't know. for a very nice happy birthday to Yeah, you, thank you very much. Yes, happy belated birthday, Mr. And, C. And, uh, I just wanted everybody to know again. I did say it on Twitter, but def, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I sincerely thank everybody for the wonderful wishes. It has been these last couple of years, in spite of all the stuff around us, it's been a real joy and a pleasure to meet so many people, to make so many acquaintances, and to and to grow this community mm-hmm. for us to be accepted into it and now grow into it with everybody. It's just fantastic. It's a great time. That's amazing. That's amazing. Many blessings, Mr. C. Many thank blessings, sincerely. Thank so thank you. This show wouldn't truly be the same without you. I can Correct. confidently say that, Mr. C. Correct. Correct. I feel the, right. the anchor of all of this. Oh, please. The anchor. Then why the do you anchor. get me to be younger then? I don't understand. Can I be myself? It's the studio. Right. Oh, it's, it's the studio. Okay. <laughs> it's a mandate. mandate. It's a mandate. It's a mandate. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, well, speaking of people that are younger and speaking of things that I don't think the studio is mandating, quite frankly, and that is we got a Madam Web, guys. So we were anticipating that Sony was developing all of these kind of spinoffs around their universe without actually really doing Spider-Man. So there were rumors going on that Madam Web was going to be one of them, and we got Dakota Johnson has been cast as Madam Web. Now, Nico and I have literally just, he saw two movies with her. I saw one movie recently, uh, so she's really hot right now in the industry. So kind of a different direction than I was anticipating. But Mr. C, Madam Web's coming in the Sony universe. What do you think? I'll use my classic sure because um, <laughs> I have faith in, in what they're trying to do coming off the high that is obviously No Way Home. I'm just scratching my head because the Madam Web that I know and that I've read about is obviously not Dakota Johnson. It's a much older lady character. But I'm also wondering if they're going to maybe do the Spider-Woman spin on it where she's that first 
and then becomes Madam Web? Or, you know, is she going to be the mother then and the daughter? So I'm not going to confuse everybody with these stories. You can look it up on Google. I know a little bit about the history. I, I really don't know a lot about the character. But I do think that she is a definitely an interesting choice. She's someone who is on the rise. According, I know based on what you guys have seen, but I, I, I do like her. I've seen her. I, I've seen her interviewed, and she's a wonderful young lady. I do know she's with, uh, I think Chris Martin Chris from, Martin. from Coldplay. Yeah. Who, uh, I'm not the biggest Coldplay fan, but they do have four or five songs that are are I consider absolutely essential. And We're gonna have to fix that, Mister C, to anybody's catalog. But uh, good stuff. I mean, I don't know. There much. was like a year and a half. Yeah, I got in very Coldplay. much into yeah. Coldplay. I was. It was very, very. I yeah. will try. Yeah, that's one of them, my friend. You to convince very, you, you yeah. were very into Coldplay. Like yeah, it circa. was. It was the song "Adventure of a Lifetime," though. Everybody knows that song. No. <laughs> and um, I caught it Super Bowl probably song. on the tail end of its success, uh-huh. and it just overtook me. Uh, and it led me down the path of researching and getting into Coldplay so much that we were almost going to go see them at Soldier Field, but the tickets were like, they were like, Uh they were more than I would pay because I wasn't that much into Coldplay, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but they definitely a talented group and, uh. I don't know. Maybe Chris Martin will find his way into the uh, the Spider Man, <laughs> into the Sony Spider Verse too. I don't know. Maybe he'll be Norman Osborn. There you go. He'll <laughs> write an original. Song he'll write an original. He'll write an original song. Called Tangled Webs. Tangled Webs. <laughs> um, I love this. I'm like really down for this, primarily because, like you said, Zeddy, I am on a pretty big uh, Dakota Johnson uh, stand path right now with seeing her uh, two films at Sundance that she was really good in, especially Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which got acquired by Apple, so you guys will be able to see that eventually at some point. Um, So I like this casting because it feels really inspired, Um, and I, I think I was talking to Mr. Peter Vare earlier. We talked about this on an episode of the Italian Spider-Man Coalition, which will be out I think maybe by the time you're listening to this, it's out maybe tomorrow. I don't know, but we were talking about this and he brought up a really good idea um, of what it feels like. So I was in and out of the Nick Spencer run a lot. So if you were like in it the whole way, you can comment on this, either DM me or or the show or respond to this on Twitter. They did. um, He did like a younger version of Madam Webb who wasn't in the chair and everything. She She was in like a trench coat. And um, she formed something, I think it was called like the Order of the Web. And she was the one who kind of assembled all these spider characters. So I'm wondering if she is going to be like the Nick Fury mm-hmm. of these Spider-Man characters. It makes a lot of sense now. And instead yep. of it being a Doctor Strange multiverse thing, she might be, in my mind, I'm guessing, and when I was talking to, to Pete earlier, she might be the connector of all these Spider-Man characters, because don't forget they're talking about doing a live-action Silk movie. Don't forget Olivia Wilde is still supposed to direct a Spider-Woman film mm. with the character Jessica Drew. We still got Toby and Andrew out there. There's rumors they still want to use those guys. Um, eventually, where we know we're probably going to get Miles. So this all makes sense, and I think Dakota Johnson is going to nail this role. She reminds me a lot of what of like the trajectory that Robert Pattinson went on. Um, most of people, most people just know Dakota Johnson for the 50 shades of gray films. Uh, same way. A lot of people still 
only know Robert Pattinson for the Twilight films, but what Pattinson did is after Twilight, he took a lot of years, was really selective with his projects. He was taking time to really perfect his craft. He was working with, you know, specific writers and directors. And that's mainly what Dakota Johnson's been doing for like the last three, four years um, with really the last two years, having some really strong uh, films and going the end of 2021 with The Lost Daughter and then these two films that she's kicked off 2022 with, I foresee her now she gets this huge role and because mm-hmm. she has been so selective lately, it must be a role that was really enticing and is a big deal. It's not just like a let's do this and cash a check role that we feel like a lot of actors do the MCU thing where, where, where they just show up in the project, they cash their Marvel check and they get out of here. This one feels big because Madam web has massive implications in the spider verse in general. And if it's Dakota Johnson in a trench coat going back and forth with these characters, I think it's pretty cool in my humble opinion. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, like for me, it just feels fresh, I guess is kind of the term that I can use too. It definitely feels like Sony's looking to, expand our universe here with maybe a more younger group of seasoned actors it feels like you know you kind of just look like who's in it right i mean tom hardy uh jared leto now dakota johnson you know rumors like nico said too of possibly andrew garfield or toby mcguire coming back tom holland still a big question mark too uh so it definitely feels like they want to use somebody young up and coming that's still really talented to kind of shepherd the universe a little bit and I'll be damned if I don't see her interacting with Tom Holland in the next few years or so, because that's totally something that I can see, and it feels like they're heading toward that direction. If at very least, a very good Spider-Woman, I think, but I totally get the decision of them wanting to go younger, because I mean, sure, you know, she can be older and it can still work. I mean, DC's doing that right now with Michael Keaton, most likely, but I think it works better if it's a younger actor that you can kind of build on in the next five ten years it just feels right it feels right to me so i don't know yeah bring it on i'm curious to see what they do with it because a man in web solo is not really something that i would have thought would happen but i think i think it's gonna work i think it's gonna be cool too. you know it's funny with the spider-man stuff because after no way home and then we hear all this stuff coming out i'm it's almost exhausting to think of like <laughs> this plan <laughs> that they're going to set forward here because it, it just reminds me of how big they got to continue. But yeah. because, because like I was hoping at some point, maybe it goes back to a singular movie with Tom and all that. But I, I just think that it, it just can't, I think the days of like a, of a Andrew uh, Garfield or Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man movie. I think those days are over, man. I, I just think it's, it's just going to be encompassing so many different characters now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you see Tom Holland on, on Twitter. He wants to be with Daredevil. He wants yeah. to be with Florence Pugh. He wants to be with Elena. I'm not saying all that's going to happen, but with all these spinoff movies and, and everything coming, it is going to be a spider, a grand Spider-Verse going forward. It's you, mm-hmm. You're going to need a scorecard, but I'm sure they're going to do it in the right way. It's just given me a little bit of a headache thinking of, all the different things that are going to probably come. It's good. I'm not saying I'm not happy for it. I am. It's good, but it's also a little exhausting. Well, let me be your Advil for a second. Wait, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's actually a question I'm asking. I actually <laughs> don't take Advil. I like a little Tylenol myself. It's all pretty much the same. Yeah, but I, if you're going to be something, be something I want. I don't want Advil. You don't want, I want the Tylenol. successful name brand? Okay. Tylenol. 
Advil's a little more popular. All right, whatever. That's Tylenol. go ahead. Um, whatever. <laughs> We're talking about the yeah. brands of. If you break the shark, you broke my shark. Broken you shark. Son of <laughs> you. I knew do it too because I've been watching you as you've yeah, been fumbling yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah, it yeah. and I'm like he's gonna break my I'm sharpie sorry. it's fine do you really need that part of the sharpie no, really, no, no I don't but there's something about seeing it broken every time it's gonna bother it's gonna bother <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna know exactly why it yeah that's it. okay okay so um, help me out here yes but isn't seeing No Way Home and not only seeing what they did, but also where Tom Spider-Man is currently now and knowing the other characters they have in the winds, doesn't every semi-Spider-Man related project you now feel more exciting because of what it could be? I, I'm not saying it's not. I just, they're just throwing so much out there. Like I'm, I'm curious more for him and possibly for the other guys, but uh, yeah, I'm in on everything. I'm not. I'm not telling you that I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's just some weird things coming out. But I, I honestly feel like they will tie it all. It will all make sense. And- this one, but this, this makes sense though. Mm-hmm. Like this idea that she's going to be the connector makes a lot of sense when you look at their Sony plans. Sure, this to, makes more to sense weave, to weave for a better word because- everybody in, into the same. Because we still right. don't know how much he's going to be connected with the MCU anymore. So, like, right. are you going to remove the Doctor Strange influence? Because I don't think the multiverse is something they're going to keep blowing open. No. I think it's going to be semi-closed after Doctor Strange. And there's going to be other things that mm-hmm. happen. And I yeah. think Madam Webb, this younger version, which he got me really hooked on this younger idea of it. Um, this is cooler to me than, like, the older woman in the chair. Sure. Yeah. Because like, I don't know how that yeah. would look. But this mm-hmm. is better. I bet she's a normal woman who gets maybe like the old ma- – Dude, wait. I just wrote the movie. Hold on. Okay. I need three minutes. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> don't sigh. It's going to be good. No, and no, good. you yeah. can't put the Sharpie not, back no, together I can't, I can't as you're trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, I bet they're going to do what they did with – and everyone write this down and remember me. Sure. And when I'm right, Sony, give me my check. I think they're going to do – so you know how in the MCU they chose to go with Scott Lang and have like an older Hank Pym? Yeah. Instead of mm-hmm. you know like the other way around. I think what they're going to do is she's going to be a normal, everyday young woman in the world and she's going to run into the old – like she's going to get brought into the old blind chair, Madam Web, mm. sort of like a Shazam style, I've chosen you. Oh. And that's where the movie is compelling. Okay. Interesting. Sure. There has to be a rite of passage, yeah. passing of the torch. Like, the movie mm-hmm. can't just start, I assume, where she's Madame Webb, because that would be weird. Right. Yeah. And then the post credit scene yep. is it's pizza time. <laughs> as long as it's pizza time, I'm in on it all. So that's fine with me. The, the post credit scene is she's talking to Avi Avrad. <laughs> In the Sony offices, and it's a cameo, and they go, you need to find an animal, a goat, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) Enter Tobey Maguire. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good to me. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Probably we're moving it two two years away. The villain is Spider-Man Twitter. God. (laughs) Spider-Man Twitter has not been a villain. It's been, well, it's it's been been better since No Way Home. There's a lot of Twitter villains now. Everywhere. I mean, it's almost like a, a legion of Twitter doom going on. 
with just about everything that we're that we're watching, but not Spider Man, guys. I it's it's a love fest. It, it, it yeah, pretty well. It, yeah, I mean, I don't see much negativity in the way of Spider Man, and at the all. money yeah. it's still making is stupid. It's unbelievable. Oh my god. It's like it's ninth Tuesday, and it's. But we do have to be honest and say nothing is really opening either, though. I mean, I will say something that the studios have not put anything out. There is absolutely nothing. It's going to continue that way. (laughs) Well, yeah, they just decided to put their cards, fold their cards down, and wait. But I'm I'm not not saying that Spider-Man wouldn't have a success. It still would do what it's doing. Yeah. But it's certainly outside of one weekend of Scream has had really nothing to even remotely challenge it at all. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought Moonfall. No, I'm just kidding. Moonfall. No. That is not looking like it's a good movie. Oh my God, it looks like a colossal <laughs> bomb. You know. Oh my gosh. But uh, but that's good stuff. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, it's just like I said. It's just there's a lot of there is a lot out there. <clears throat> of these announced projects and it's, it's looking like Spider-Man is going to have just a massive amount of tie-ins and characters and whatnot going forward. So we'll see how it all plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you know, the idea of like, you know, now he's in college, so he's going to need, you know, an anchor of some sort. Right. And hopefully it's Madam Web. We'll see. But yeah. And, and don't- and don't you feel too like I mean, really, not nothing they could probably do immediately is ever gonna no scratch no. the surface of what we just got. So well, no yeah. film ever created well, will do what No Way Home just did. Yeah, and I and I just wonder, <laughs> if, I just wonder like it's the, over. who's ever got the first project coming out of this No Way Home that ties somewhat into it, which is Morbius. Yeah, uh, I know, but I don't. You count that, huh, Morbius? Iconic. Okay. Keaton. Yeah, but Morbius is still the safe. It it's it's not I'm talking about the next thing that maybe is gonna have a Spider Man in it. Uh, I, I really So Doctor Strange multiverse and yeah. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Okay. That's just yeah. a joking well, speculation. Yeah, that's Which, speculation. That's might, not actual actually, thing. Yeah, okay. but yeah. Yelled that <laughs> spoiler before yeah. that wasn't a spoiler. We'll we'll address that if that happens, which is in all likelihood. A good bet to take. I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. First totally. Actually, yeah. Spider-Man's got a lot of pressure on it. You know? Actually, does it? It could be bad and it'll make money because it'll be coming. No, out. I know. But you just wonder coming out of what we just came out of, how it'll be perceived and, and looked mm-hmm. at. We'll see. Cinema. All you got to do mm-hmm. is just put that Marvel tagline in the yeah. open credits and it'll make money. There you yeah, go. dude. If you just flash that Spidey logo. Just flash it. It'll never fail. Yeah. Yeah, everything go. with Speaking him in it. That's true. That's true. Which, uh, all right. Speaking of things that are very powerful and seem to never fail, at least as of late, uh, as as of two weeks, I should say, uh, the Book of Boba Fett, guys, episode six. Wow, this is a good one. Uh, so obviously we got the return of Luke, R two D two, Grogu. That man is back. We got Ashoka. Cobb Vanth, we got introduction of Cad Bane. Whew, man, we got a lot to talk about that one. So, Mr. C, Grogu's back. We get his journey here. He's training with Luke. Uh, what do you think? Episode 6. It, it was, it was again, it was one of those surreal moments for me watching this thing uh, kind of unfold. So, we did not watch it together. Nick's been staying up late at night, and I watched it the next day. And... I've got some 
I've got some weird feelings on it because for the most part, I think it's awesome and I like what they're doing. And I think it, it perfectly plays into his journey and, and, and where he's going and the decision he's going to make. I thought that um, it was very powerful, the stuff with the Mandalorian, him coming there and, and then leaving how much he wanted to see Grogu, but realizing that uh, based on what Ahsoka told him, it wasn't really the right proper thing to do. It would confuse him. And that was all very emotional, very touching. I felt all that immensely. I thought the CGI, the way Luke looked, was incredible. We'll talk about a few other things as we get into it a little bit more. It goes back to Boba Fett, and it lost me a little bit there. Um, I don't even know that it's called Boba Fett anymore. <laughs> it is, it is what it is. But they did, they did bring it back to the present and the plight of what's going on. And then, uh, you know, the scene at the end. I don't know that particular villain at the end cad bane is his name but he certainly was cool looking and fierce and somebody that uh that i would like to see more of it's a shame what happened to our our guy there but uh him and the deputy were not quick enough on the draw so uh they uh they're dead right i would think or no i don't know if timothy oliphant i never know with those blasters you know those there's nothing Mm -hmm. more confusing than a blaster (laughs) in a star wars thing because i i i've seen it where like they hit you and it doesn't do anything but maybe give you a little scratch a little a little little rash on your leg and then at other times it just completely kills you yeah mm-hmm. and then you can yeah. get hit with it with armor and die or you can get it so it's one of the great it's one of those great plot holes you like to say your plot armor devices the blasters in the Star Wars and I'm going back with all of them you know but again it's it's another one of those things you have to kind of just forget about so it it was great i mean I, again, I'm a little bit mixed here of, of where I think it's going to go and in the future, what they're doing with Luke, with CGI and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. why don't you talk about it first? And then this this thing was magical. I mean, I literally wish I, we saw No Way Home, and that thing was 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 unbelievable to see some of the things they made. For me. This is, of course, not on that level, but it was high. I I expected none of this in the episode. I had to pause my TV two or three times to just kind of be like, oh, my goodness. Listen, this was Star Wars fans' dream. There was so much beautiful character exchanges, callbacks. Luke looked awesome. I am in the camp. I am okay with this. Mark Hamill, he did it last year. This time he gave them his blessing. Um, to use that new deep fake technology to bring him back. He looks incredible. I'm all for it. Um, if an actor's alive and they give you permission and it serves the story, I'm completely fine with it. I have a little bit of a different opinion if the actor is no longer alive, um, but that's a different conversation. T- to see Ahsoka and Luke have a scene together is I never thought we would see that. I mean, you talk about someone two of the greatest Star Wars characters of all time in the same frame together. Ahsoka saw Anakin's rise, his fall, his change to Vader. Now she gets to see his son and the hope he is for the galaxy. I would love, I would pay money for them to make a scene where she's telling him about when his dad was Anakin and not Vader like that. Oh man, I'm almost really looking for them to have more conversations, but maybe it's best to just leave it in your head cannon. To see that little MF for Grogu, to see him, he's jumping now. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> he's having some autonomy. He's making choice. The flash, his flashback to Order sixty six was heartbreaking. That was oh, something yeah. I didn't expect either. And then do Cad Bane, one of the most fierce villains out there, bringing. I don't even care that he's. I don't even know how he would still be alive. So much time has passed since the Clone Wars, but I don't care. Bring him. He looked great. The, the same voice actors doing him. It was really cool, man. It's it's kind of hard to articulate how cool this thing was. I uh, I'm fine with it. The Book of Boba Fett was. I was mixed on it. These last two. This one is maybe the best Star Wars episode of TV. I don't know. Maybe that and the season two finale of Mando. I mean, the way those things make you feel. Star Wars has always been about. I hate to use the word fan service or nostalgia, but every Star Wars project somehow tied back into something with the exception of some of the old Republic stuff. Um, so for people saying it was just pure fan service, sure. I could also argue it served the story very well. Let us remember, which I forgot. There's a great thread on Twitter. Kathleen Kennedy did say at the investor day, kind of goes back to what I was talking about last week. This show was going to continue on the story of the Mandalorian and we're seeing that, and you are breathing really loud. Sorry, no, but... you're good. That was it. Was throwing me off. Like I couldn't hear myself. No, you're good. You're good. I was like, oh man. Um, it's carrying on the third part of the story. You're seeing it. Yes, did Boba Fett get really sidetracked? Is it weird pacing? Is it a weird point to do it? Yes, but it was yeah. so cool, and I don't care. It was awesome. Ooh. It was awesome. It was awesome for sure. Uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, for me, it just feels like Dave Filoni just knows how to make people's hopes, wants, and dreams uh, come alive here with Star Wars. And for me to get to have, like, a back-to-back of, like, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard directing a phenomenal episode, in my opinion, and then getting Dave Filoni's masterclass writing and just directing here, uh, it was incredible. I mean, this definitely felt like a penultimate episode, too. I mean, to have all these characters pop up, right? I'm, I'm absolutely... With Nico too, it was almost like it felt a little too much, but it, in in a good way, right? It's like, okay, here's Luke, here's R two D two. Wait, no, here's Cobb Van, right? And then here's a Shulker who I actually really didn't think she was gonna pop up in this show. Um, and then to see some of the things that they're pulling off, like with the vivid imagery of like, you know, the Jedi Temple possibly being made here, and then you know, Luke giving Grogu all these choices of him choosing his own you know, like destiny and his own fate here in order 66 flashback uh yeah you know i admit some of the pacing with you know i guess boba fett really only getting like one minute i guess maybe 30 seconds of screen time in his own show and you know you get his head not a hey, silent assassin right silent assassin. Uh, going back going back to the character's origins uh which is fine too so i i'm definitely with you you know just the implications of the, what this episode to me signify too is that you know this definitely wasn't just a one-off you know this definitely wasn't just for fan service you know i definitely think that uh i think nico might have said it last week you know we're definitely it definitely feels like this show is just a driver to kind of set up what's to come later on because i mean you know whether or not they do use luke i guess after this show kind of remains to be seen but you know characters like ashoka you're definitely going to be seeing in the future you know cad bane i definitely would expect is not just going to be a one-off you're definitely going to be seeing a lot more of Mando, right? Boba, maybe he goes back to just being a supporting character. So to me, to just continue to set up all this lore, to me, is incredible. And I want to pack this past, uh, excuse me, pack this one back over to Nico, because I know we were talking a little bit off air here a little bit that, you know, I personally don't think that, you know, the Pikes or whatever might be this main battle 
uh, sequencer. You know, maybe Cad Bane might answer to a higher power here. And I don't know, Nico, are we going to continue to set up some more lore here in Star Wars? I still think it's Amelia Clark's Kira um, running the show with these bounty hunters. Uh, I think Cad Bane is, is, is helping her out. I think the Pikes are answering to a bigger a bigger order here. I think we're going to get teased at the end. I could even go as far as saying like Thrawn's pulling mm. the strings, which is what mm. we really think we're building to. Um, it's cool. It's just these shows are Star Wars shows, and it is really the Mandalorian and Grogu story, because don't forget, this is just as much his story as Din Djarin. So um, I do think they were putting a little bit of the Boba Fett episodes in there to figure out what the exact trajectory they were going to do. They realized they couldn't spend a whole year and not show us these because this, these last two episodes, primarily this one have so many universal implications. Um, and we're living in an era of some of the best star Wars stuff. And that's a fact. So, um, we're going to see, I think the finale is going to hopefully be epic, you know, and if Grogu, chooses to go back with Mando, what you might, choose? Even, you what might even choose? see him, which I do think that's going to be a choice. You might see him at Tatooine in the battle next week. Mm. Well, I don't think you do this, and this is, I don't mean to spoil this for anybody, but I, I would be confused if, I wouldn't be confused if Luke is in the final battle. I agree, yeah. And yeah. I honestly will tell you guys this right now. If Grogu and Luke, or at least Grogu, is not in the final battle, I don't know why they inserted this episode here and didn't wait for it to be mm. in the Mandalorian because it has to be, because otherwise there's no point in it unless something affects the Mandalorian, but he's already back there. He's prepared to fight. He already gave up on Grogu and has moved on. So how could Grogu not be in the battle? Now, if he just shows up at the end and Luke hands him over, after the battle, I would still argue that did they really need to disrupt the show and do this? Then it then to me it feels a little bit more like because you said something really good, Zeddy. And I love it. Don't get me wrong, I think it's great. But the show is so weird with the pacing and where it's gone and what yeah. it was. I don't even know what yeah. I'm watching. Like I I don't feel like I even watched those first four episodes yeah, well, of the Book of Book. Yeah. It's a completely yeah. different show. And I'm going to say something that's kind of funny, but it, w- <laughs> it would be sacrilegious to me to see Luke and Grogu fight along that biker gang. That is one <laughs> image that I, I would not want to see. It's just not appropriate <laughs> no, I'm in. to throw in those that, that weird-looking group <laughs> or whatever. But am I off base here? You, you're the Star Wars guy. I mean... How could they not be in the final battle? Because what's the point of doing this now? Is it just to hook us in and, and to prepare get... us for season three? Yeah. Are they the MCU? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Clearly. Okay. <laughs> but it definitely feels like what you're seeing on these shows is they don't necessarily subvert like that. They're very direct with what they do episode to episode teasing the Mando music, then he's in the episode, saying he has to visit his friend. He actually goes to visit yeah, Grogu. Yep, yep. With the choice with the armor, I would bet money you see Grogu and Luke there next. Well, not this week, in, in, in two days. Yeah. Well, that would be pretty cool if he, if he, if he hand-delivers Grogu and 
in the middle of that just kicks some ass and I know, takes back the planet, right? I mean, and then and then like you said, I do agree with you. I don't know. See, for somebody like me, Z, I don't know all these other characters from the Clone Wars, and all. I didn't watch all sure. that. But I, you said Admiral Thawne and the idea of Amelia Clark coming back, and yeah. I, I kind of dig all that, even though yeah. I don't know all of it. Yeah. But I did like her in Solo, yeah. and I think it would be pretty cool if it did happen that way. Um, I got to ask you a crazy question, though. Amelia Clark would be the proper age and stuff, or would she? Because in Solo, or would she be a lot older? No, no, okay, no. So, so Solo is a little bit right before. A New Hope. Okay. This is a few years after Return of the You're Jedi. You're right. It's not that long. So she would time. be like Harrison Ford was, yeah, like yeah. mid-30s. Yeah. That's what she is. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's very exciting to me. And I, and I hope it's more that and that it's not just Luke showing up at the end and mm-hmm. giving. Because then I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to say as much as I loved it, like maybe they could have saved that for Mando 3 or, or something like that. But listen, sure. I like it. I like it. Now, the only thing that I got a little perturbed with was when they do this stuff, this de-aging or whatnot, I I guess I f- there's a weird thing in me where I feel better if maybe the actor's there and they're actually using his dialogue. And then I found out that they didn't even use his dialogue. And it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I don't know why, because I like it, mm-hmm. but it just made me feel like... I guess I started thinking like I you open that Pandora's box and like what's possible like there could be some great things that are possible but I'm really not looking for cinema for superhero cinema to evolve into that either. Yeah, I'm not but either. we all yeah. know that when something they do something and it's good. Oh yeah, that everyone does it. Right, it's a yeah. lot more of it is coming. Right, mm-hmm. and I started thinking to myself like, well, why didn't they just de-age Keaton a little bit? And make him look like a prime Batman. And that's probably not the story, the Flash right. story. But I just start getting ahead of myself. But whatever these guys did, Luke looks real. He looks fantastic. I would have I would have liked it that they used his dialogue, but it's okay. I guess it's okay in the long run. Just mm-hmm. a little concern going forward with the liberties that studios might try to take now because it's all about the dollar and I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that or not. I mean, I know you don't really care. I got to see Luke fucking Skywalker. Yeah. We're in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I was saying, case yeah. by case. But see, thing. you wouldn't want to see them do this with Christopher Reed, no. would you? Because I saw no. a few things on Twitter about, you know, you wouldn't want to see them do that with people. Like, I wouldn't want to see, I know they did Carrie Fisher a little bit, but I'm not looking for that. Not I not think. Either. How do yeah. you feel about that, Z? No, I, I think I think, you know, if the actor is, you know, past, you know, due to old age or, you know, for tragic reasons, I think you definitely gotta leave that under the bed too. You know, I mean Smallville got to do over Christopher Weave a little bit too, you know, before he ultimately tragically passed away. And to me that served the story. I think that's the way to do it, you know, if the actor is well enough to be able to do it and it makes sense, you know, go ahead and do it. I think I'm more concerned that they're gonna try to milk this out longer whereas you know i think you can only lose use luke so many more times right like you know we're gonna see a show with obi-wan coming back you know anakin's gonna come back you know probably just for the show maybe or no anna shoka excuse me uh but it seems to you know serve the story right so i think to me as long as it serves the story it makes sense it looks good uh go ahead and do it but i'm not i'm not 
I'm more concerned with them milking things out than I am actually using the characters. I don't know if that's how you guys feel. Yeah, I mean, do you guys? But do you guys think though that it's beyond the realm of possibility that that Luke won't get his own show? Or am I being crazy here? Is that do you think they won't go that far? I with think it? they won't go that far. Okay. I think it'll be case by case these specific appearances, yeah. and I do think I'm assuming Grogu picks mando and that is a little bit of your closure with luke skywalker in these shows mm-hmm. yeah i think you're gonna pick their shots i mean maybe he pops up in ahsoka for mm-hmm. obvious reasons but that's probably oh, it okay imagine a scene with like them three no well that probably won't happen but i'm just i'm like getting my hand cannon i'm like ahsoka luke and anakin like possibly like in a frame together i mean well, wow. yeah, well, that, yeah, well, well, it won't happen, but yeah, you know, I mean, it for, would be cool, but homie's, homie's dead. Yeah, homie's dead. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think I like your idea better. You know, just give the dialogue, you know, like maybe just talk about him, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, but you know, yeah, no, I, I would love more conversations with them. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, we've been, as we review this show, it's just a weird show because it just went in a completely different direction of not even being the show that I guess mm-hmm. we're watching. And I know it's going to come back to it. Yeah. But I can't think of anything else that I've watched. Can you? No, that's even. Been, that's been so like, just, it just went somewhere where it's like, wow. Even with, you know, the idea that it is the third part of the story and the Mandalorian story is going to be in every show to show four in a row, really developing Boba Fett. And then this is a hard pivot. I mean, yeah. this is a hard pull away mm-hmm. that was like main character development and energy of different people. <laughs> and then the guy's not even in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then in the finale, you're still going to have these people and you might even have Luke and Grogu and stuff come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do agree. They chose the market it this way. They chose to call it the book of Boba Fett. And with the first four episodes, you, you made that expectation. Mm-hmm. So they got to own it. But... I don't see too many people complaining. <laughs> no. Because let's not deny that the show wasn't that great. No. And I'm the biggest Boba Fett guy out there. Yep. And this stuff is better. Sure. So. Redeeming Luke, baby. So be Redeeming it. Luke. But it's also fitting that Boba is the one who brought all these people together. Yeah. He brought them all together. Should have just called the show Star Wars a Boba Fett story. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like. <laughs> the book of Tatooine, I like that. Yeah, that would have been a better. I like that. Yeah, a better title. Yeah, see what you're saying, right? Yeah. Boba Fett and friends. Yeah, Tatooine, right? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Boba Fett and friends. Boba yeah, right. Fett yeah. and friends. <laughs> well, listen. I, I mean, I can't. I mean, the super fets. The super fets. That's funny. <laughs> we've we've seen a lot of great things. There's a lot of great things coming, but I I do know that I, I mean, the hype for this finale has got to be pretty much. Oh yeah. Right through the roof. Through the roof. I'm just looking forward for the uh, aerospace yeah. engineer, guys. I, I mean, I will. Be awesome. I will even go out and say this right now. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what I got to do Thursday, but there's a shot I might stay up and watch this thing too. Obviously, at two o'clock in the morning, but we'll see. Oof. Yeah, I think you should. We'll see. Go. We shall see, indeed. So, oof, that was a good one, guys. So obviously, you can't wait for the finale. I think I know we got some plans. We might be having a discussion with our guys over at the nerd room yeah. so stay tuned yes that's for a possible announcement on that that's gonna be really really cool we always have really good discussions with those guys but all right let's uh 
Let's move on over to Peacemaker, guys. Episode 6. A lot, a lot of talk that this was going to be the wildest, craziest, bonkers episode of the show thus far. And to an extent, I guess you can definitely say that. But Mr. C, were you vibing with episode 6 of Peacemaker this week? You know, I'm going to I'm gonna keep my... Now, I did, I did watch this with my son here, with Nico. We watched it together. And um, right after it was over, I... I told him how I felt about it, and we were both right there. But he's going to explain it a lot better than I will because I don't want the two of us just to be saying the same thing. But in a nutshell, it was an episode to me. If I could compare it, it would be like if I was at the movies, I'd be looking at my watch a little bit. I was I was kind of like saying to myself, like, oh, I'm looking for this episode to end. Uh Real quickly, the vigilante character really became annoying to me again after I kind of liked him from the previous episodes. And the story feels somewhat similar, but I'm going to I'm going to pass on. Listen, I still really like the show. I'm still vibing with the cast, still loving what Cena's doing. And I believe wholeheartedly that it will get to where it's going to get going. I just did not vibe with this episode to my surprise i didn't really like this one either and i've been really big on the first five even last week i was telling you how like it's just so much fun you sit down i'm excited for it i like what Cena's doing i like the writing james Gunn. it's a fun cast is it like a masterpiece of literary and cinematic genius no but it's solid it's james gunn i love Besides Brightburn, I love every single thing I've seen of his, including the first five episodes. This one, I I didn't like most of it. I think there was a strong opening with Mern. Yeah. It was very emotional. That was Mm -hmm. a nice subvert. I did not expect it that he was one of the good ones. I did not expect that. I bought into him. And a decent closing with him at the piano, which I did like. And... Mm -hmm him kind of finally getting close with Harcourt. And then I do like how the the scripts kind of flipped on them at the end, and now Waller's a factor again, because that's cool. But here's the thing. Everything else I didn't really like. I I love seeing James Gunn flashing some of his horror roots in here with those just graphic way the butterflies go in you, but guys, it felt it's Starro again. It's mm-hmm. the same thing, and and some people have said I'm 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 generalizing it too much. That's fair. I'll, you can say that, but I'm gonna keep saying it. It's what I believe. Feels like Starro again. People taking over. Waller trying to cover it up and frame the people involved. Cena, right? And now not only do you have to deal with the with the supernatural, the starter, star, star, oh, butterflies trying to combine the names. <laughs> Not only do you have to butterflies, <laughs> now they added another antagonist that's personal to the characters, the White Dragon, Chris's father. Much like, in addition to Starro, the other surprise villain was Peacemaker to the team, in which Waller had them set up just in case this is there's still two episodes to go this episode ends and all i can speak of is where the story's at right now right because that's how we talk about things it feels 
very similar to the Suicide Squad film. And I was not crazy about it. I also... James Gunn does something bold that I respect. I feel like a lot of the genre now... It keeps going back and forth, like, post-2013. Now every threat, like, you don't show the innocent people get hurt, or it's always in an abandoned place... James Gunn is totally fine with letting these innocent people die and get killed and just get murked in just aggressive ways, which I respect. Sure, it raises the stakes of the villain, but also I was watching it going, man, he's letting all these all these <laughs> good people are dying. Yeah. And they're going to have to shoot him and kill him again, like they did with the Starro people. And the argument's <laughs> like, yeah, well, well, the minute the butterfly's in them, they're dead now. And it's like, Okay, still. Same thing. So that's the thing. And (laughs) listen, if you really love the episode, that's totally fine. But I thought this whole show felt fresh and different. And this episode, I said, oh, wow. This is like the plot of the film again. And let's see how they're going to flip the script again. And let's see how they execute it. So I'm still in for the last two, but this one, and a lot of people, even James Gunn said episode six and eight are his favorites. A lot of people were hyping this up the cast before it came out and this happened. And I said, well, I saw this already back in August or September, whenever this thing came out. So no disrespect. I'm still on board, but this, I was shocked at how much of a dud this was for me because it was a dud for me. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I think, you know, it was an okay episode. You know, I think it was fine. You know, I wouldn't say that I necessarily hated it. I also didn't overly like it. Uh, Obviously, you know, Nico, you watched it before me and you kind of wanted to get my take on it because you told me what you thought the thing was going. And yeah, I think after watching it, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, essentially, is what they're doing. You know, butterflies, you know, it does feel very starly to me. And I'm wondering if that, you know... I have a hard time feeling that, you know, it's it's a peacemaker show and that's what he's going for. Considering of like how grounded and self-contained the character is, you know, it's not like you're setting up another ultra superpowered being that could help him out, right? Like obviously the Suicide Squad had more than one person that could take on Starro to make it more believable. So I'm wondering if they're probably just gonna give uh Peacemakers uh Harley's will in the Suicide Squad essentially, you know, a way to redeem him saying, you know, he kinda saves the world right so it kind of seems like that's where the end all be all is uh but you know obviously you know the the white dragon twist you know man james james gunn you really like your pokemon don't you man i gotta say because uh mewtwo man mewtwo yeah, look like mewtwo that's funny looks like mewtwo man <laughs> which is fine i'm not gonna nitpick that um clearly we're going for this bombastic over the top finale here where now he's probably gonna have to fight his dad and whatever this butterfly thought is. So uh, you know, still into it for sure. Still in it for Cena. I think he's still doing a f- phenomenal job. Uh definitely I know I was talking with you, Nico, and you, Mr. C too, that it obviously feels like they're setting up hardcore to be more than just this one off character here. I tend to believe I think she's gonna be a more younger, badass version of Amanda Waller, essentially, too, because Clearly, they're doubling down on her being bad again, right? Nico, you told that. That's verbatim what you said to me. So I'm wondering if Hardcore is just going to be the opposite of Waller, you know? I mean, like, they're making Waller worse than ever. I mean, yeah. <laughs> She's... What, what you didn't say at all, which uh, I just want to get back to is, and again, maybe yeah. this is just me, because I, I have no problem with the guy that plays Vigilante or whatever. I, I, I found him 
completely entertaining in a few episodes, but I I just thought this episode, I was like, I couldn't take it anymore. It was over the top. The humor was so forced, was... and his dialogue with him in the car. Is it me, or I just, I was like. No, I'm over get him. I, like, I'm like, can we get rid of him at this point? She like, was, I, I just can't do it he, anymore. He was I can't on, watch it. He was on this good little run, and yeah. then this episode, James Gunn also did something I, I don't like, which is, I hate when they have a dumb character like him and he's the reason why all these things are going yeah, wrong. I don't like, like yeah. that writing. Yeah, I don't like yeah. that writing at all. Yeah. I'm not a writer. You could say I sound ignorant right now. Go ahead, but I watched what I watched. I yeah. don't like and some people are like, "Well, he fell." No, I don't like yeah. he comes to the house, he's annoying. He drops the butterfly. He <laughs> starts killing people. He's in the car throwing the phone. He's doing all this stuff like it. It, it, it was annoyingly over the top. I just have no feelings for him, to be honest with you. Like I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know, and maybe that's the way the character is. You're just supposed to accept him as adult, and he is what he is. But I, I, I don't. Maybe they'll do something in the final two episodes. But you said something so perfectly where <laughs> it was like he's there to cause all the. And I don't like that. Right. I don't like. Yeah. And also. Don't like how we end episode five. They're the Eleven Street Kids. They're finally like a team. And even at the oh, end, yeah, yeah, Amelia and him, like she puts like the dove of peace on his thing. But yet they weren't gonna tell him about Mern. I don't know. Yep. And that was weird too because that was weird too because it was a DefCon five now, right? Where yeah. where the butterflies basically out. Mm-hmm. You don't want to tell him. Like it's, it's it's strange. Yeah, I if he do, kills Mern. <laughs> I, do, right? I do like the diary setup because it raises the stakes for Chris. Yeah, but yeah, there was a lot. Like I said, the middle of this where I'm just like, I was sitting there like him. I was looking at my watch, going like, I don't, I'm not vibing. Soundtrack was cool when uh, I don't know the name of the cop, but when she's walking with all the butterflies, it was kind of like cool visually a little too long but yeah i was i listen i'm hopeful for the last two but yeah the setup the what they're building to this inevitable climax is not a climax i'm buying mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah. can i ask you guys a question because i maybe i've been real busy this week and is the takes on twitter been over the top with it like it's fantastic or or is there anybody that's remotely close in our camp that feels like it was a bit of a letdown no i think we're a bit in the, um, in the minority i think my, i think we're in the bit of a minority here okay because mm-hmm. i yeah, was saying I, yeah. uh superman and lois was better i never thought i would say in any week that superman and lois was better than this but the episode of superman and lois was significantly better than this episode yeah for what it had to do its moment in time that week and uh some people strongly disagreed with that so okay um i was like oh wow okay one was a lot more clear and one still feels more original than this felt like something we just saw in a the theater. So yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's I just didn't know. I haven't spent a lot of time, which I recommend to everybody. It's good sometimes to get off the, yeah. uh, that <laughs> but, oh, yeah. um, I was just curious because I, I know sometimes I get surprised that I'll think something about it. And it's like, Oh yeah, people do feel that way. I'm like, I didn't realize that, you know, they felt the same way I did sometimes, but yeah, dude, it's... Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, look, I, it, like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens. And the, the Waller and her daughter, 
uh, and the Chris thing is going to be obviously the big thing for me. I, I don't really care about his father either. Mm-hmm. That thing to me is, I don't know, it's just boring. Again, I, I'm not quite sure, but the butterflies in the father are, and I know the father's a big part of the story because it's why it, it's why who he is and stuff. I just, yeah. I guess it's just not, I, we're going to have to see how they finalize this, but it's, there's certainly, it's certainly not something that I'm anticipating I'm going to really be thrilled with. It's going to be more to where John is after this thing, where Abadayu is, where Waller is. And you're right, Seti. I do think Harcourt's rumored to be in Black Adam. Yeah. I do think that she might be this uh, Maria Hill, like, but obviously a different version of Covert. Although yeah. Maria Hill is Covert, too. But maybe they're setting her up to be that. And uh, maybe that was James Gunn's thing. When he came to WB, he says, you have to give my girlfriend. <laughs> a well, bigger, there's a lot of takes about that, too. A bigger yeah. role. Z, B, you know what I mean? Z, like, that, was, that was part of his contract. was like, we're going to have to incorporate her in just more yeah. than my projects. You know, you, Maybe we'll see her in the Flash. Maybe yeah. she's in the Flash movie. I don't know. Yeah. But it's good. It's uh, She's doing really well, to be honest with you. I she's really dig her character. She's, she's developed. Yeah. She's wonderful. I, I didn't think I was going to really dig her much uh, from the mm-hmm. from the previews and all that, but she's been great. Has has Economos and uh, yeah. the other characters. I, I and Mern was great. You, I, I didn't. Yeah, Mern was great. the yeah. one. His opening scene was probably the, one of the best parts of the entire series. For Correct. Me. I Correct. really, I did yeah. not expect that. Correct. There was a good butterfly. Yeah. You know. So. For sure. One only thing I would probably suggest, you know, for hardcore here is, you know, maybe probably wear like a jacket or something if you go to a bar here, you know, instead of this nice sleeveless tank top here, which I know drives Nico crazy. Because, look, she's a very attractive woman. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, if you go into a bar just like that, you know, I'd, I'd walk up to her, too, and try to, you know, fuck with her, too. So, but, you know, so, look, if you're not looking for that kind of attention, you know, maybe. Put a flannel shirt on or a jacket or something. No, you know? she just so, wants to beat people up. It's cool. Yeah, clearly. But yeah, so obviously for me, I, I they got to find a way for me to like Vigilante because, you know, I've been, I'm with you guys, you know, I'm, I'm a little on and off with him. You know, I think I, I have no problem with the actor whatsoever. I think it's just his material that he's been given. So hopefully by episode eight, we all like him. Hopefully they find a way for us to find some common ground with him because I don't know if he's someone that's going to pop up after this. I don't know. But We'll kind of see on that one. So, obviously, you can see the ties to why it's connected to the Suicide Squad, for sure, uh, which is cool. So, we'll see. You know I mean? Two more to go. We'll see what Episode 7 brings. It's the penultimate episode. So, you got to think this is going to be another crazy, bombastic episode. So, hopefully, it delivers. Hopefully, it delivers. But, all right, guys. Let's move on to uh, something that we've been building up here for a few weeks. So, obviously, we're a little four weeks under excuse me, four weeks away from the Batman here, and we've been kind of teasing that we're going to be revisiting all the live-action Batman director's visions for the movie. So, obviously, tickets go on sale this week as of this recording, which is awesome. Uh, And we've been uh, teasing, yes, we will make sure to have snagged that. Uh, But, yeah, so we've been teasing that we're going to kind of do a nice little recap, a roundup of all the live-action Batman directors and how each of their visions was distinctly different from the person that came after them. So, of course, we're going to be starting off with Tim Burton, who directed Batman 1989 and Batman Returns in 1992. So, Mr. C, you were, of course, there for both of those movies. So, 
Just give us a rundown of, you know, what it was like, you know, to find out what Burton's vision was. You know, Michael Keaton is Batman, a dark, grittier take on the character. Jack Nicholson's Joker, Kim Basinger's Vicky Vale, you know, Danny DeVito's Penguin, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. You know, what was that kind of Gotham City, that take on Batman like for you, you know, in 1988, 1989, kind of watching that movie? What was it like? Well, it was a dream come true because it was like after after initially being introduced to Batman with the 66 television show and then finding the comic in the middle 70s and it being that Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Dark Knight detective, that, that serious take on him, I had longed for that version of Batman to appear and to 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 appeal to a mass audience because... I didn't tell people I was a comic book fan, but Batman still was kind of a joke to the mainstream audience. It was Biff, Bam, Boom, Zowie, Zing, Hey Old Chum. I mean, that's what people knew. So when this movie came out and it it gave me star credibility, a guy like Jack Nicholson is the Joker. I mean, come on. Jack Nicholson was as big as there was in Hollywood at that time, and he... He always is going to be. He's a legend. He's one of the greatest actors of, of, of in all time. And Kim Basinger, of course, was a star. And, and Michael Keaton was an odd choice, but it worked out. So Tim Burton's version, I think, was the perfect initiation to get Batman into this genre and to get him into cinema. And I think it was beautifully well done. I think the first movie captures that. I think the the costume that Keaton wears is great. Whatever little problems I have with the movie going, you know, years that I've watched it and I go back and I critique certain things. It was it was a movie that did what it was supposed to. It created a buzz. It put Batman on the map for the general audience to show him who the character really is, that it's a serious, serious um, character, an important character in fiction. It established Joker, how diabolical he was. And it it gave us a Gotham City that was its own character, and it looked pretty unique. It looked cool. It felt like a comic book movie, and it definitely was very stylistic. It was unlike anything that people ever saw at that point before. All you had before that was Superman. So this is a very historical moment in time. It, It definitely set the way, paved the way for some things to come. Uh, now, when we get to the sequel, unfortunately, the sequel was not. The sequel was a little bit too much Burton, and if it wasn't for Michelle Pfeiffer in there, I'm not sure that movie does as well as it as it did because it was somewhat successful, not as successful as the first movie. And anybody, I know a lot of people that who were on board with the first Batman jumped ship very quickly after seeing Returns. All those people that I tried to convert, that I thought converted, that I took with me a few people to the first movie and then took other people, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is not like the first movie. Not that you want it to be, mm-hmm. but it just was a much darker, definitely over-the-top, I think, story visually speaking, and it definitely wasn't a happy meal type deal with, with the toys. And and one can argue that it was the 
it was it was similar to what happened with Snyder. The studio kind of intervened. It caused disruption with the director, changing course. The star doesn't vibe with the new director, decides to leave, and it course changed it. But those movies, again, are are very important because they gave me, they gave the world a Batman who, they define kind of who Batman really is, and that was obviously massively important. Yeah. Well, well said. said. You know, I, I really like Batman 1989. I remember the first time you, you showed it to me, and I thought I wouldn't because I was younger, and I felt like, oh, is it going to be dated? No, he still is arguably my favorite suit on screen. Mm-hmm. I think him in the costume is awesome. I have a blast with 89. I think a lot of choices that Burton made just at that time just worked. Um, I'm not as big on the Bruce Wayne portrayal in that film but everything else i love i even really dig at the time if you're gonna make one batman film i kind of dig they made the joker the person who killed his parents i get it um mm-hmm. so i i thoroughly enjoy it and um i like what burton does with that first one his gotham is very fan uh it does feel very like fantastical mm-hmm. it kind of feels yep. like a fantasy place it's larger than life it's it it has exclamation points on it everywhere it stands out like you beautifully said it's like a character i really dig it i like batman 89 for all my people who love batman returns (laughs) i don't i'm sorry um (laughs) i like the vision which we're talking about i will give it credit i like the vision i like that he went more tim burton and for the second one, there's like this animalistic theme, right? Mm-hmm. It's more animal Catwoman with the way they make the penguin, who I know Mr. Peter Vera will kill me, our good friend. I do <laughs> not like this Danny DeVito penguin. It's very uncomfortable to me. It's gross. I don't like the, the way he eat. I, I, I don't – I didn't like it. Um, no disrespect. I, I think Pfeiffer's Catwoman is <laughs> awesome, so it's iconic for that reason, right, that it brought in Pfeiffer's Catwoman. It was cool. It worked. I respect the darker – tone of it even more than 89 i respected director's vision i do um but it was it was a little too out there for me and um i don't even really vibe with the story that much Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so for me when you hold up the two burton films i love batman 1989 absolutely love batman 1989 and i'm not really that crazy about returns i don't think it's bad i just think it's i'm like oh okay i watched it it exists I like Catwoman. I still like Keaton in the suit, but it's not something I'm quick to revisit. Um, but there are people who absolutely love that film, and I think that's awesome. Um, so for me, it's a really cool vision that unfortunately feels like it got a little too wild, um, at least to the eye, and 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 they made some changes. But we have an iconic Batman film that started it all. And you have Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman from Returns, which I think is what most people remember and think about when they think of Batman Returns. And a crazy yeah, that's, penguin, so. Yeah, that's very well said. So obviously, you know, for me, you know, of course, you know, watching both those movies kind of at a particularly young age, you know, I, obviously I really like Batman 89. Like, you know, I think Tim Burton's, uh, vision for Batman was bold, but it was also, I think, necessary, too, at the time. I think, you know, definitely making Batman more dark, grittier, serious, more realistic. Uh, Batman, he doesn't really speak a lot. You know, he's very stoic in each of those movies, too. I think he gets a lot right with Batman, for sure. And I think his Gotham City actually feels very timely to me, you know, so much so that it 
kind of looks like they're bringing elements of that back and whatever they're doing with Batgirl feels like. So, uh, and he is going to be in that movie too. So, you know, kind of remains to be seen, you know, what they're going to bring back from that world into this new DC universe too. Uh, but you know, just back on that, you know, track, you know, I, I think the Batmobile is outstanding too. It's one, probably yeah, my favorite, it's a good Batmobile. uh, Batmobile to this day too. So, Obviously, you know, 89, I like a lot more than Returns, but I can kind of see where they were going, you know, in the beginning, too. Uh, obviously, 89, I think they made all the necessary steps into getting you to care about Batman, and Returns is kind of that sequel that you take some gambles on. You know, the director gave you this overly successful gem of a movie, so here's your fully creative-driven movie that you can do whatever you want with, right? So it, it happens a lot. It happens, but... Uh, you know, not the first choice, actually, that I would have thought would have directed a Batman movie. Now, obviously, his later movies came out, too. But if you would ask me that, you know, the guy that gave you, like, Beetlejuice, you know, uh, directed Batman, you know, I would have said, okay, you know, I can kind of see that. But uh, for me, Michael Keaton, his Batman and Batman 89 ages really well for me. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking it returns doesn't really age well for me, but I... I can watch it, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, I just watched it on Christmas, uh, it's fine, uh, but, you know, his vision to me was necessary, I think that's the best way I can kind of describe it to, you know, to bring Batman back to his roots, uh, make him more serious, Michael Keaton at the time probably felt right, even though Mr. C, I'm sure there were a hundred other different actors that you probably would have imagined would have been Batman instead of Michael Keaton, but he's the one that we got, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, when when he was announced, it was, there was no, obviously, social media back then and stuff, but there was an uproar. Mm-hmm. And there were ads in the paper, and there were magazines at that time you had to read, and nobody quite understood why he was the one. And I, I give you an idea, like, Alec Baldwin, I think, was a was a strong consideration mm-hmm. for it. It, it. In my eyes, I... I you know, we know what Alec Baldwin has involved into and he's had an up and down career or whatever, but mm-hmm. I think I saw him in that role. And, and listen, I, you know, I, I'm a Michael Keaton fan. I think he's a great actor and I, and I think he was great as Batman. I really do. Yep. I'm like my son. I, I don't particularly care for his Bruce Wayne. I, I don't, he's not particularly strong in that role, but um, it is what it is. You know, we, we've gone down this rabbit hole with 89, what it means to a lot of people and and their perceptions of it and how they feel about it. And I'm not going to sit here and, and downplay any of that because it was important. And it, like I said, it established this character on the screen in the fashion and form that I wanted. And it was very important. And so when you look at it in, in that, in that regards, it needs to be applauded for that. I think it's a shame that he probably went so overboard with returns mm-hmm. to the extent of where the kids and the public and, you know, people shied away from it. And then you have that studio interference, which we know all too well with a lot of different things. And so that's where it, it becomes messy, the history of Batman. And we'll have a good time talking about the Joel Schumacher era, right? Because it it, it becomes very uneven, mm-hmm. After mm-hmm. these two movies, and that's why I blame Returns. That's why I know some of our guys love it, and they. But to me, it's like it, it's kind of like yeah, Returns. You kind of spoiled what mm-hmm. could have been, yeah. because what yeah. could have been is a three picture or four picture arc with Michael Keaton, 
it it might have looked beautiful on my mantle with those four movies and it 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 just might have been we'll never know what it would have been right but but right. obviously it was very disjointed after that and batman became a a and we'll talk about this later but the versions we got afterwards mm-hmm. as a batman fan were disappointing because he had fallen out of the public favor Long live the bat. Well, the bat didn't have a real long life like he did in later iterations we're going to talk about. But it's, it's yeah. again, you cannot deny the importance of 89. Scene. Finn. Well, so, right? <laughs> yeah, so obviously, Nico, I want to pass one off to you. And then obviously, Mr. C, we'll go back over to you too. Because I want to open this up one, just a little bit more here. And then we'll probably wrap in a little bit. So, you know. Something, a question that I'm going to kind of ask you guys on, you know, all our movies kind of leading up to uh, the Batman here is, you know, can, can a new fan, you know, instead of a young fan, you know, can a newer fan to, you know, the character of Batman watch Tim Burton's vision of Batman and say, that's Batman, you know, because I think that's a valid thing to ask. Well, that's a great question. Um, I would say that for me. Man, yeah, I mean I, I think I could I could I could wholeheartedly tell somebody that you could watch the first one. And if that's the only Batman movie you're ever gonna watch, I think you can walk away with a real appreciation, understanding of who the character is. And you've got his his obviously his most famous villain in there. You've got the whole cast of characters in there, and obviously in Alfred and Commissioner Gordon and You've got the love interest in, in Vicky Vale. So yeah, I, I would have no problem if, if if somebody said to me, now would I prefer to tell them the watch begins? Yeah, that's me. Even though you don't have those villains in there and stuff, I, I think that would be my first suggestion to somebody. Right? Mm-hmm. But but I'd be hard pressed to say that I would be steering somebody in the wrong direction. But I was there and I've been a fan in a long time. Here's somebody like you. It's interesting to hear what you got. It's an say. interesting question because I could take that question a lot of different ways. It's it's general. However it, you want to take it, you can you could take say it. is that Batman? Yes, because it is Batman. Um I think he does nail the roots of Batman well and it, it it it's more comic book Batman. It's more true Batman. So yeah, in that regard but for a new fan to steer him to a movie like 89 or Batman Returns, I think it depends how old the new fan is because we act like, you know, we're the best representation of the general fan. We're not. <laughs> so, like, I don't see if you got some teenagers. Like, there are people who, there are younger people who can't sit through those older dated movies. They just can't. So uh, I think it depends on the level of fan they are. Um, if they've never seen a Batman movie before, which I think is quite literally near impossible at this point, unless you're super young. I don't know if I would recommend Batman 89 to like a 13 or 14 year old kid today. If they want to watch a Batman movie, I would say Nolan first. Yeah. And then if you really like that, then you can try that old one with Michael Keaton. Um, it's almost like a comic book, right? Like if you yeah. if someone yeah. wants to get into the comics and do you do you make do you go back to the eighties or the bronze age or the seventies or do you tell them to read That's a great comparison. Do you tell them to read Hush? Do you tell them to read uh 
Long Halloween. You know, Long Halloween, exactly. Yeah. Or do you tell them? And, and so I, I guess you're right. It all depends. Now, you said something. I don't think 89 feels dated at all. I think 89 is a movie that... It can feel dated. Yeah, I guess you're right. He's swaying on that thing. It takes him like 90 minutes to go across this plane. I take it back. I take <laughs> it back. It, 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 it's some of the fighting scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, sure. It, I'm sure. not saying it's a bad yeah, thing. I yeah. love the movie. But right. like, yeah. for like a yeah. 13-year-old kid... And and the and the the, the Gotham City and there the vehicles and whatnot it, it almost feels like a fifties. It's it it's almost been, yeah, it, it's, it yeah. feels like an old style the way the, the guys dress and yeah it's almost a little bit like a golden or silver age if you will take on it so that's mm-hmm. fair I mean I I get it I I think I probably would after hearing you say that say begins is where you want to start yeah. and then that's a little icing on the cake later after you after you digest those. Now go back and read an older issue, or go back or watch the original, mm-hmm. the original Batman, yeah. and then form your own form your own opinion, form your own conclusions. You know, from that point mm-hmm. forward. Well said. Is that yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. So obviously, I'm going to be kind of a little bit of a hypocrite here with my own question because you know, Nico, I think you were totally fair to say that you know it's however you want to look at the question. You know, is how you can answer right too. You know, you and I were different, right? You know. Both of our fathers, you know, kind of made sure that we kind of started on, you know, the right trajectory, I guess I should say, too. Right? Like, for me, I remember, of course, probably starting off with Batman, the animated series, Batman 89, or Batman Beyond, and then kind of, you know, diving into some Batman 66, and then, you know, here's Batman 89 and Batman Returns. So, for me, I kind of started off in, like, this traditional way where, you know, I saw probably the right take of the character first and then i kind of got into these other different uh takes on the character and i don't think there's really a wrong answer to it you know i would say if you're somebody that is a hardcore batman fan it's probably a good idea to start you know from the beginning and make your way down like you know maybe get into batman 66 yeah it's, it's really campy and not overly serious uh but it's still got a lot of really good things going for it and then kind of make your way down to Batman 89 and Returns, and then go into Nolan's version, and then maybe end with Snyder's version. Because to me, if you kind of start off with Snyder's version, then go to Nolan, then go to Burton, then go to Schumacher, and then go to Batman 66, to me, kind of feels like you're going backwards, right? Whereas, you know, if you start in an overly campy tone, and then make your way over to the overly serious, more accurate take, I think you're probably doing yourself probably a better disservice too because it is like you said to mr c you know you can definitely make the the comics comparison to right like you know do you want to start off reading long halloween dark victory year one or do you want to start off with reading more of those older uh dated versions of the of you know batman comics you know like a nightfall you know going all the way back to those so to me it kind of just it depends and i don't think there's really a wrong answer to it i just think that it you know it's it's a fair question i think to ask well, I'll add this though, as I've been listening to you guys talk, I'm going to really probably change my. I, I'm doing this during the podcast, but honest to God, if you really want to know who Batman is, and that's the crux of what you're doing, you you can't start with anything other than Begins. Yeah, because that movie verbatimly lays down chronologically. Yeah, everything yeah. that he is, how he becomes with it, which eighty nine really doesn't do it 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 obviously tells it within the story and but it just it's you almost need to know a little bit more about batman in 89 
then you're doing begins Fair. because it's all there yeah. for you. It is, it is all there. And we'll, we'll, we don't yeah, want to give we'll, away when we talk about yeah, it, but because, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. That's the beauty of begins. Be, yeah. So like to go back to yeah. the question, it's, is uh, like, like yeah. a new fan, somebody wants to get into it. I think you can look at it at 89 and go, that's Batman. But if we're talking about a starting point, yeah. I would say a couple comics and then go to Begins. And yeah. Dark yeah. They really want to know, hey, I really want to know this character. Because I, I think really those know, will be more accessible. Why does he become yeah. who he is? How does he become who he is? Then it really is only one choice. I mean, and it'll probably be that way because I don't think anybody's ever going to make a better origin story of Batman. It, we're not going to get that coming Never, up. Yeah, no, no we're and not. Nor, yeah. nor should they. Nobody should. Nobody should, you know. Yeah. And maybe some fans are going to start with the Batman. It's going to be the first Batman film for some people. That's well, a sure. great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an even better point. Yeah. So there you go. All right. I think that's probably a great end point. So that, that's going to be your Tim Burton Batman discussion, guys. So obviously, you know, if you're listening uh, to this podcast, you know, let us know. You know, did we hit the, did we hit all the, <laughs> the right points here? You know, how does that version uh, vision age for you? You know, we're we're very curious to hear uh that from you guys you know we have a we have a very wide range audience here of you know people that love those movies and people that are just getting into them so that uh that's gonna be very interesting so kind of kind of let us know what you thought of uh this discussion because it's definitely gonna be really fun as we kind of now gear up and ramp up into joe schumacher's batman forever and batman and robin so 1995's batman and uh batman forever 1997's batman and robin so That'll be on the next episode, so look out for that. But, of course, as we get on out of here, gentlemen, thank you so much for, for as always, for joining me. It's always a blast. Mr. C, you're a very busy man these days. You're you're, you're out in Gotham City traveling these days. Uh, where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me at N. Caruso Jr. on Twitter. Um, and then I, we want to plug our other great podcast with our good friend, drummer, Rob 10, Rob Meyer, our right between the eyes, RBTE podcast about our favorite rock and roll group, the group kiss three generations of kiss fans. The guy to my left here, Nico and I, we've got a great episode out where we break down all the components of the destroyer 45th anniversary box set. And we're going to be recording again real soon to talk about an opening band for kiss that went on to become his bigger, bigger than kiss. Yeah. Mm. Well said. Uh, you can follow me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, letterbox, and TikTok at Nico Crusoe and I K K O C A R U S O. It's going to be a fun week talking about some stuff. Cause the Oscar nominations are Tuesday. If Kristen Stewart is not nominated, you won't hear from me for a week. I will write. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, uh, because my dad was off celebrating his birthday, was getting a little wild. Uh, me and Pete ended up, we got, the blessing from the Godfather himself to go ahead and put out another episode of the of the Italian Spider Man Coalition <laughs> just with me and Mr. Vera talking about Spider Man Homecoming. It was a great conversation. It was the first, I think, time on the pod where there's really two different, two completely different views on a film. It's a really good conversation, and then we're all caught up with the. Uh, with the Beyond storyline in the Amazing Spider-Man comic. So if you guys are reading that right now, we uh, talk about Beyond, which we are on the same page with, and uh, find out if we like them or not. Spoiler alert, we don't hear us find out why. Uh, but no, come talk to me. I will awesome. respond. Normal. Awesome. 
do all that great stuff because you are not legally obligated to do it because I said so. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so obviously you guys can follow me on Twitter at Nick You get where you can find me posting some pictures, photo album that you had of all the merchandise that's coming in for the Batman rather slowly here. I got a nice Spin Master Batmobile and I got my hopefully McFarlane's and hopefully some Funkos here uh, leading, leading the Charger as... Um, we ramp up to the Batman, so obviously tickets are going on sale Thursday as of this mm-hmm. recording, so yeah, best believe uh, tickets will be snagged one way or the other, hopefully no four-hour long wait time, I don't think so, but... Shuddy, we can finally see the light at the end of the cave. <laughs> I can see the bats flying out of the cave now. <laughs> um, so yeah, go give my letterbox a follow at Zeddy Films. You can find this show, at Vigilante1939, on Twitter. Feel free to head over to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and consider leaving a rating and a review. And please go consider heading over to our YouTube channel where myself and Chris Evans from the Gathering of the Geeks podcast are covering Superman and Lois Season 2, which is now on a three, four week hiatus. So we'll be back in a few weeks with Episode 5 of Superman and Lois. So be on the lookout for that. But we're having a blast. So all those videos are on the YouTube channel. So give that a go give that a watch and a subscribe. That'd be much appreciate it but i think that's gonna about do it for this week's episode so for nico crusoe for his father nick crusoe jr my name's exanic and as michael keaton's batman always says once you tell all your friends about me it's what we do mm-hmm.